Hi, everybody. My name is Mike Manning. And I'm Trinity French. And we are your business coaches at Wired to Change. We help you get your business off the ground and running smoothly so you can enjoy the life of a small business owner. Go to wiredtochange.com to get more information on our coaching seminars and programs. Today, we are talking about how to recover for a, from a burnout. Our previous episode, we talked about signs of the burnouts and what makes you burn out. Mm-hmm. And with this episode today, we're going to help you recover from that, which we have both done. As we've told people yep. from day one, we are small business owners. We're not just coaches, but we are both small business owners. So we've been there, done that, know what you're going through. Both been through burnout with different different ways it showed up, different ways yeah. to deal with it, just because everybody's different. But we have been through this as well, so we know we can help you with uh, recovering from a burnout. I was thinking since our last podcast about how um, – I've coached so many people through burnouts and helping them to not get in burnouts, um, especially my real estate agents, just because when they're in startup mode, if they're, if they were joining me from another firm and they had already been in real estate for 10 or so years, typically they had already experienced a couple of burnouts and it wasn't as bad, but my newbies that were in their first one year to three years, it was a lot more obvious that they were going to hit a burnout earlier on. And I would really try to help them to ward those off versus end up in my office crying during a coaching appointment, (laughs) which sometimes happen because sometimes those things can sneak up on you when you're least expecting it, especially when somebody would come in and all of a sudden their wife's pregnant or something had happened that just pushed them over the edge because occasionally life happens and you can't necessarily predict it even if you were planning for it. In the real estate world was... A lot of the burnout, especially if they're new, was that because they weren't getting any listings or transactions or just a change of I've got to be everywhere to network and sell? And- um, there were really two different burnout periods. There was the first when they were in their startup mode and they were going to. So the real estate sales cycle is fairly long. People don't think about it, but it takes you a while to gain enough momentum and enough referrals and clients to have regular closings. So you have a um, one month to six month sales cycle for a buyer or seller. That's about average. So from the point that you were referred somebody until they actually closed, you're not going to see a paycheck or any money from that. And occasionally you have the client that you never see it because you did a bunch of work and it just never closes. So you have that stress going on. So you have the beginning stress when they're trying to gain those referrals and those clients and they're going out and they're just pounding the street. They're doing all these networking events. They're growing their databases. They're building their name. They're doing their um, social media. They're doing all of their branding and marketing. You can get exhausted because you're not seeing the results coming in yet. So that's why I'm all about gamification and helping people to set really realistic goals and milestones so you have small celebrations along the way versus just getting burnt out. Because if you can't see how that work is going to translate into money at some point, it is exhausting to keep doing it. 
And then once those clients started coming in, they would hit a second burnout phase where they really needed to start learning how to delegate and elevate because without delegation, you just cannot handle the amount of business and volume that comes in once all those referrals and that business starts coming. The one thing I learned once I joined BNI, which Trinity and I are both a member of, which is Business Networking International, once I started to meet some realtors, you don't ever hear about, not that they don't want to talk about it, but you rarely hear about their team. Because mm-hmm. you just think, oh, there's Trinity. She's a realtor. She lists, sells, does paperwork, does all the showings, does all this, does all that. And you couldn't do that. Oh, no. Today, you couldn't do that. You may mm-hmm. 30 years ago, I have no idea what went on. But today, there's no way you could be a there's personal There's no blog. way. I have, I have three people on my team and a part-time marketing person, and there's not a chance in hell I'd be able to do the amount of volume that I do. And I work 100% by referral. So keeping my clients happy is paramount to my success. So if my clients weren't getting white glove quality five-star service, they would not continue referring people to me, and it would make my job a whole lot harder. I'd have to go out like every other real estate agent and door knock and cold call and all of the things that make my tummy just curdle. If you were just by yourself, you would do a third of the volume maybe? Yeah, I would probably do a third to a half of the volume that I'm doing now. And I would be a whole lot more stressed out and I would not be able to, even to this day, even though I'm no longer in a management role at my company, I still take agents out with me to shadow appointments. I've still helped mentor them. I still go to all of our meetings. So it's really important to me to be able to give back to the agents that are around me. And then in addition, you know, having some of my agents at our coaching seminars like that just Mm -hmm. fed this whole other part of me that just makes me so excited because watching them grow their businesses, there's nothing more gratifying. And people will often ask us as coaches, like, oh, why are you a coach? And why are you into coaching? And let's be honest, it is not altruistic. (laughs) It is because coaching other people and them being successful because you were able to help them feels really, really good. (laughs) It does. I get the analogy. Most of the analogies I give, if you know me at all, are sports related because I grew up playing and coaching my two boys. I remember the first time my oldest son, Travis, when he was playing basketball for the first time and I was coaching And every player on the team, and if you've ever coached seven-year-olds, you know some of them aren't gifted physically for whatever reason. They're just not, half of them just aren't coordinated. And the best thing of the whole season for me, when every kid had made a basket, that's what brought me the greatest joy. I have no idea what our record was, didn't care. But my goal was every kid would make a basket one way or the other, and one kid he just turned and heaved it at the basket, and it found it and went in, and that was the last guy to do it. So that's the type of stuff. With coaching, it's the same thing. You see that success, and, and we just love it. First thing we're going to talk about, recovering from burnout. The analogy I give people on taking care of you first is when you are flying with a child, and the, the flight attendant says when the oxygen mask comes down, parents put yours on first. Because if you blank out, you're no good to your two-year-old sitting there, and mom or dad are both passed out. So you put such your such a good analogy. Put your oxygen mask on first, which is why you have to exercise and eat right. Because if you're not running well, your business is not going to run well. We all know, and everyone that has been listening to this podcast regularly for the last 
10 weeks or so that I'm a big believer in physical fitness, eating well, um, working out. And Mike gets up every morning, goes for walks. He tries to eat well. Um, Other than his sweet tea addiction and my (laughs) caffeine addiction, we both stay on a pretty healthy diet. Um, My diet the last couple of weeks has been terrible, which has been weighing on me. And by weighing on me, I mean on my belly fat. (laughs) But But you set a goal yesterday. I did set a goal yesterday, which is one of the benefits of having a small business seminar is that you get to lead by example. Mm -hmm. And I was able to set a goal yesterday. And it's hanging on my wall, and it's something that I look at now. I have a number of pounds I want to lose. I have a path for how I'm going to get there. And a date. And a date. So it's a manageable expectation of a goal is here's what I want to lose. Here's how I'm going to do it. Here's the deadline for when it's going to be done. We worked it through a smart goal worksheet, and it is completely achievable. It's measurable. Mm -hmm. Um, It's realistic. We have a timeline. Love it. And it happens to coincide with a cruise. <laughs> it does, with my honeymoon. So n- definitely something that we're looking forward to. One of the things we've talked about on previous podcasts around taking care of yourself and, and managing your day, and Trinity does it very well, she puts on her schedule when she's supposed to work out, when she's supposed to eat, when she's supposed to go for a walk, things like that. You have to schedule yourself in the day because otherwise – your business will consume you. It will consume and everything else will get pushed. Yes. We talked at the very end of the last podcast, which um, the topic of that podcast was why small business owners burn out. At the very end, we talked about the top things that are triggers that you're stressed out. So acne, chronic pain, having bizarre dreams, tooth and jaw pain, hair loss, stomach aches, twitching, regular illness, just getting a cold, getting a sinus infection, all of these can be signs of stress. Um, Ladies, irregular periods, um, itchy skin and rashes. I just had one of those the other day. Gaining weight, also something that I've been struggling with because not having things regularly scheduled on Mm -hmm. my calendar was causing me to not work out as regularly. Headaches, bleeding gums, back pain, fatigue, tense muscles, all of these things Half of them can be resolved if you're exercising and eating right. And that is so important to being a really successful small business owner because there's no one else that's going to put that on your calendar if you don't. And when at the end of the day, the buck stops here with us. And if we're not the ones putting ourselves first, there's not a boss that's going to come up to us and say, hey, Mike, you need to really start exercising and eating right. Small business ownership is not for everyone. We've said that from day one and we'll continue to say that. However, if you choose it and you work it well and things do happen the way you hope and plan they do, it's a wonderful life to live. Back to the exercise part, I have one of those bad backs and about once a year, it's not as bad now that I've started going to a chiropractor. Thank you, Dr. Ashley, and a licensed massage therapist. Thank you, Lindsay. It's not going out as bad. In the past, when my back went out, I would be in bed for four days. Well, guess what doesn't get clean? All the accounts I've been cleaning. Yep. And it's nice to build up that rapport with your clients to say, I'm just not going to be able to make it today. And they're usually okay for once a year. They probably wouldn't be as happy once a month. But you have to exercise and eat right. And it's different. The exercise part is different for all of us, Mm -hmm. but you got, if you're not taking care of yourself, your business will suffer. Yes. The next one um, that we recommend to our clients is 
is rest and recreation. And what we mean by this, and it's interesting because Mike had asked me, we meet regularly, the two of us, to work on our business when we're not working in our business. And he asked me if we, we like to meet on Saturday mornings at Panera. It's our thing. Thank you, Panera. Um, our work, and, work husband uh, <laughs> work date, wife, work yes. wife date. <laughs> and I said, nope, I can't. I already have a scheduled date with my husband. We're going on a bike ride on Saturday morning because the weather's supposed to be 65 degrees. And after that, I have an open house. So Saturday is out for me. And I'm so glad that he and I had put that on the calendar because otherwise it just is something that, and we need that recreational time to be outside, to enjoy this weather. And we figured that we would meet on Friday instead and it all worked out. And who doesn't feel better after being outside in in nice weather, whether it's for a walk or a bike ride or whatever. It'll be so invigorating and energetic. Or working up a good sweat. Go to the mm-hmm. gym, go running, play basketball, tennis, you know, whatever you do. But that's just always, I've found with people I hang out with talk and talk to is a very satisfying feeling. And there were, there will always be more work there. Oh, yeah. There will always yeah. be something to do. There will always be another client to get. But taking that time to actually enjoy the small things in life is so important. Very few people's spoken last words were, I should have worked more. I know. You're just not going to find that very often. The next uh, way to recover from a burnout is unplugging at night. As best you can, try to keep consistent hours. Uh, Your body will know it. Your mind will know it. Your family will know it. Not every call is an emergency. Not every email is an emergency. We always, Mm -hmm. a lot of us brag, hey, I get back to my clients within X. But just because you got an email that says, hey, can you check on this, does not mean you have to do it right now. You need to know your clients and what they really mean by that. But just because somebody calls you and just because somebody emails you, I guarantee you if you talk to them, hey, is this something I can handle tomorrow? 95% of them go, absolutely. absolutely. I can do that. We show people how to treat us. If I email Trinity all the time and she always gets back to me within the hour, I'm going to expect that. And the next time it takes her three hours, I probably will have emailed her again. Right. Or called. And I love the phone call. love the voicemail. Hey, did you get my email? (laughs) (laughs) That, you got a problem there. It's either you or the client. could be both. But, yeah, when you leave a voicemail... To check on the email, that's a problem, but you've got to be able to unplug at night. You do. And this also is including, um, I love reading books. And one of the things that I had gotten away from is because with planning the wedding and um, running two businesses, I was reading less and being on my phone, my iPad, and my laptop more. And they're supposed to be shut off by a certain hour. So my general physician, she's a holistic practitioner, and she had told me when I was talking to her about four or five years ago, the effects of blue light on sleep and how you're not supposed to be on your Mm. TV or your phone or whatever for a certain period of time. So I met another doctor who's a holistic doctor, and he said something to me that just resonated. And he said, Trinity, there's two things you do in your bed, sleep and sex. 
All and right. if you're, he said, and if you're not doing those two things, you're not supposed to be in bed. <laughs> and I have, I, like I took that to heart because I was like, oh my gosh, like I shouldn't be laying here in bed mm-hmm. while Scott's trying to go to sleep, working on my wedding thank you list or working on um, writing a presentation. So if I'm going to do those things, I make sure I do it out in my office and then I turn it off and then go into bed. Mm-hmm. I also stopped reading my um, Kindle in bed. So if I'm going to read a book before I go to sleep, I'm reading just a regular hardcover or softcover book. Mm -hmm. But most of my business books that I like to read before I go to bed are hardcover. Um, So I have a stack of highlighters and pens next to my bed, my notepad, my book. And that is my go to sleep routine is to read a book take some good notes, and then eventually once I start feeling like I'm no longer actually retaining any of the information, that's my trigger that, okay, it's time to go to sleep. I'm old school, love a hardback over a soft. Oh, yeah. gosh, love me too. Yep. And I love books. Yep, I'm going to be that person. Thank God Scott's in the house now because I would wind up being like an episode of Hoarders where there's mm-hmm. just a mountain of books everywhere. And, and no cats. one would, and no, I'm not a cat person. All you cat people, I'm so sorry, but I am not a cat yeah, person. Me neither, so. But that was your life goal was to be a writer it in was. New York, smoking cigarettes, cigarettes living in living in a tiny little loft. Uh, yeah, that was that was the plan. Now I live in a three bedroom bonus room, two and a half bath. We do not have a fenced in backyard yet. No, so. Scott was telling me the other day when I was over there, <laughs> you're going to do that. He wants to fence in the backyard. Next so, thing unplugging is, at night, super yep. important. Next thing is, and this is real important, don't use sleeping pills if you don't have to. That sets, and we can talk about uh, prescribed drugs and, and the issues that come along with that and what's every, what everybody's talking about today, but the dependence on the prescription Sleeping aids can cause a vicious cycle. It can. I took, what is the one that gives you bizarre dreams? I took one of those once. A friend gave me one. An Ambien. Yes. Oh, my brother. Oh, man. I took an Ambien. Never again. I was a different person. You know what I stumbled on one day about a year and a half ago? What? Benadryl. Benadryl. Oh, does that yeah. work for me? It Two does. pills. Yeah. Pop them. Give me my yeah. Good night's sleep. Sleeping pills or relying on something to go to sleep is not good. Now, I'm not a doctor. Mm-hmm. I'm not pretending to be a doctor. But something that does work for me is taking magnesium at night. I am very guilty at not doing it regularly enough. But when I take it regularly, I feel better. I sleep better. Um, I also take melatonin. Yes, my sister um, so does So melatonin and magnesium at night are awesome. <laughs> Sorry, we're just looking at a screen here. We were <laughs> laughing about that. But it is, if you can find another way, just in general, if you can stay off prescription drugs, that's a good thing, but we're not here to preach. But if it gets to the point where you are so burned out at work that that's the only way for you to sleep, please go see somebody. Next up, this is one of your favorites. It is. Ask for for help. Got to delegate and elevate. I'm a terrible delegator. We all know this. We all know this. Just watching you at your wedding was hysterically, uh, yeah, it just. Yeah, yeah. I'm a terrible delegator. I hate delegating. I hate asking people for help. I, it's how I somehow managed to run a business is just beyond me at times. When I first started working with my real estate company, the thing that I told them was I never wanted to be back in a management position because 
um, the last company where I was running the training development department, I was doing nothing but managing a huge team. And I love coaching. I love working with people who have a coaching mindset and mentality. But having employees is just a completely different beast than having a coaching client. And I'm cut out to be a coach. I'm not cut out for anything that needs to be within an HR department. I curse too much. I'm way too blunt. It's just not, yeah. Yeah, so, we are neither one so of So delegation, are, yeah. and I suffer from all the things that perfectionists suffer from. And it has been a lifelong learning experience to learn how to delegate. And it's one of the things that I love to talk about and preach about now because it's been so hard for me to overcome over the years. And I know that other small business owners are so similar to me in that aspect. And I've had to work really hard, especially with my real estate agents, because you work so hard for those clients. And the last thing you want to do is hand that over and have someone else F it up. Yep. So being able to ask for help, to learn how to delegate and elevate, um, one of the things that I was really guilty of from the get-go was I was a micromanager. Um, I micromanaged and had to make sure that everything was done to my specifications. It drove people nuts. Nobody wanted to work with me. I don't blame them. I wouldn't want to work with me now. So, you know, I was in my really early 20s. I wanted to make sure that everything was done properly. Then as I tried to loosen up, I started delegating by abdication, which if anyone is familiar with that term, that means I would delegate something and then just completely ignore it and pray to God it got done and never check in. And that is one of the most, that's like just handing someone a gun and a bunch of bullets and just letting them fly. It was a terrible way to delegate. And if you are a small business owner and you want to grow your business, you're going to, at some point in time, you're going to have to give up something. Yes. So you know it's coming. And if you want to do everything and just be the, excuse me, the ultimate solopreneur and you do everything, great. Not a problem, but your growth will be stunted. Mm -hmm. So if you want to grow, you're going to have to trust somebody at some point in time. If you share your vision with people and your employees, they're more likely to come on board uh, sometimes it's hard to find those people that share your vision. Yes. But if you can do that, but if you're going to grow, if you want to grow your business, you're going to have to start delegating some point in time. And you do that to your team who show houses that you can't get to. Yeah, yeah. And I have a system now for, you know, it took me a lot of years to figure out how to interview and recruit and train. But now that I have those systems and those structures in place, it's not as scary to delegate because I have a system for it. And um, same thing. We know that we are at the point now with Wired to Change that we're ready to hire either a part-time administrative assistant or somebody to help us with some of our um, marketing. We have somebody working with us for social media. So we're working on building these systems and structures. And when you have the right system and structure in place, the delegation now isn't as terrifying. No. Not having a system or structure in place no. and delegating is just a recipe for disaster. I've done all of them. I've done it the right way, and I've also <laughs> done it both terrible ways. But when you have the system, and again, I go back to a sports analogy. If you look at the offense of a football team, everybody in this particular play, everybody knows where they're supposed to be. Instead of like, yep. hey, you four wide receivers, like we used to do in the backyard back in the day, just go out. 
Right. Well, when you get to a higher level, you can't just do that. So when your system is in place every day, including right now, this afternoon when we're taping this podcast, you know where everybody is and what they're doing. Yeah. Right now I have one person setting up an open house for me. I have another person researching some houses for a client. I know where everybody's at. Everybody knows their place. Things are just functioning while I'm not there. And it's a beautiful thing because it allows me to spend time in my passion, which is talking to y'all. And but that gives you peace of mind and some comfort because, you, but it took you years to set that up. But now that you have that, as long as you know where everybody's supposed to be and what they're supposed to be doing, you're not sitting there going, wonder what Mike's doing. Mm-hmm. What someone says, it's, you, you know where they're supposed to be. I know where they're at, yeah. yeah. In that aspect, being able to delegate is a lot easier. So many things looking back on my wedding that I wish I had delegated differently or delegated, period, not handled <laughs> Let's myself. Let's go with period. Yeah, um, <laughs> which, you know, you live yep. and you learn. You do. You and do. there were some things that I didn't delegate because, quite honestly, I just didn't care if they got done or not. Yeah. And it was stressing other people out more than it was stressing me because my whole thing was, are you having fun? Does everyone have a drink oh, in their yeah, hand? Yeah. And that was what was most important to me Drinks is that everyone, that everyone was having a good time. We ran out of Tito's on Tito's vodka on Friday night. Oh my God. That's how many people that, were there. Yeah. So. That, that was, and if you've been to a good party, that just can't happen. Yeah. So. The, the next thing kind of all the next two are, are kind of uh, tied together increase accountability. In a previous role, I ran uh, the AMF Bowling Center in Durham. And our regional VP, Larry, would he, they visit on a regular basis. He would always say, and I had not heard this line until I went to work for him, inspect what you expect. Going back to your systems where all Mm -hmm. your people is going to be, you can quickly inspect if the house is right, if the research was done, because that's what you expect them to do. Right. You're not in their business. You're not standing over their shoulder. You're not micromanaging. You just know, all right, let me check in real quick, make sure that went well, is way different than, I'm going to stand here and watch you do it. If you are able to delegate, then you should be able to increase the accountability for the people around you. One of the things that I did when I was managing all of my sales agents was implement a a sales system for them to follow because it gave me numbers that they had to hit. It gave me, um, I knew exactly how many phone calls they needed to make. I knew how many handwritten notes they had to send out. I knew how many um, referrals they should be receiving. And when I built that system, all of a sudden they were reporting to the system, not me. And that made my life so much easier and it freed up a bunch of my time and it made it allowed me to to manage this team to such high success because they were now responsible to something other than me and you have one funnel point to look at right results of did everybody instead of going to okay susie did this mike did that yeah it's just it's a wonderful thing yeah the other thing we have found and most of small business owners have never been in a management role so they start the company themselves they're usually, this has been their passion or their business, and now they want to turn it into a business, their uh, trade, and they want mm-hmm. to turn it into business, and they've never managed people. Right. Let me give you a couple tips. Here's a, what I learned years ago when I was put into a management role, and thankfully I've had some real good bosses over the time. If you are in a meeting with your boss and your three fellow salespeople, management people, accountants, whatever they are, and the VP of the company and the district guy are there, 
and they say, hey, we'd like to congratulate Mike's team on coming up with X, whatever it is. And I know good and well that was Trinity's idea. She came to me and said, Mike, we need to do this. If I stand up and go, Trinity gets the credit because it was her idea first. Now, I've just earned respect from you, Mm -hmm. and I've done what I'm supposed to do is not take credit for it. If you're in the same meeting and you are Trinity, and the VP goes, hey, Mike, great job by your team to come up with that, and I go, thanks, we worked real hard on it. And Trinity's sitting there fuming, and in my mind, you should be, because like, dude, it was my idea. We didn't brainstorm this. This was my idea. So if you can give credit where credit is due, your folks will fall in line with you and they will respect you more for that mm-hmm. instead of you not you taking credit for everything. So now their coworkers go, man, that Trinity, that's like the fourth thing she's come up with this month. But now i the VP, because I'm confident enough, my VP is not going to fire me on the spot right there. I go, Trinity, you now got Mike's job because you came right. up with that idea. I'm confident enough to know that my boss thinks I'm doing pretty good. And I was because smart you enough, hired and managed the right people. Exactly. I was smart enough to hire Trinity. So when you turn into a manager, give credit where it is due and the people will fall in line for you. One of our clients called me the other day, and by one of our clients, I mean one of my real estate clients called me, but she knows that I'm a business coach. She knows that I've been in business coaching for a really long time, and she's thinking of making a career move. She's thinking long game. So she's in her early 20s. She is in a very... kids older than that. (laughs) (laughs) She works for a really great company. She is in a job where she's making over six figures, so she's making... Pretty good money for the age that she's at. Mm -hmm. She got an opportunity to interview for a management role. Well, it's going to be a $20,000 pay cut. For a management role? Oh, she in sales? She's in sales. Uh, So she's in sales. She's she's currently an account manager, um, doing great financially. But she is bored to tears. (laughs) Just every time I talk to her, I can just hear her voice just dripping with boredom and she's just not she's not happy in the role that she's in so she was able to interview for this role which I don't know if she's gotten it yet I'm gonna have to follow up because she's having her next round of interviews next week but she called me because she knew that she wanted some advice about whether or not it made sense for her long-term career goals to move into a management position Our discussion was around the fact that, well, do you ever have any desire to launch out on your own and either start a small business or work within a small business environment? And she was like, you know, I think that that would be something that I'd be really interested in. I'm like, then absolutely get the management experience now because you don't need the money. She doesn't have a family. She doesn't have children. She has to support. So that $20,000 a year isn't going to be the make it or break it. It's not the difference between her being able to feed her family or not. That's just the difference between her having another 20 grand in savings because she's not spending that much money each year. So we coached through it and she's going after the job and she's looking at it from the long, mm-hmm. the long game. And it was really, really, and the thing that hit closest to home as I was talking to her was that she from the moment we got on the phone and she called me, her voice was completely different. She was so excited. She was just exuding enthusiasm. She was upbeat. Everything that came out of her mouth was positive. And I said, friend, because I'm not going to call her out on this podcast, said, 
your enthusiasm and the amount of um, excitement that you have right now alone is enough for you to take this job. Here's another tip to small business owners along those lines of promoting salespeople. If you have three salespeople and one of your salespeople is is accounting for 50% of your revenue because that's all that person does is sell, do not make them the sales manager and not selling much because you will have just lost anywhere from 30 to 50% of your revenue because you'll have to hire and train somebody new. They may not be as good. Find somebody else to manage the sales department. Don't take your best people off the streets. You see that all the time in companies. Hey, Trinity's our best salesperson. Let's make her in charge of all the salespeople. Well, you just lost money right there. Yeah. And she may not be a good manager, may not Might want not to do be. it. You yep. need to, management is a yeah. is a very specific beast, and you got to make sure that um, it's something that that person is cut out to do and that they actually want to do. Yeah. The, the last point here is, we talked about earlier on, it's implement an operating system for your business, and that could look like anything as long as it fits your business. Right. And you've been through a bunch of them. You know operating systems. I do. I love and it, them. On with the Hunter Row one, you guys had to. A lot of it's trial and error. You try mm-hmm. for a little bit on software size, like okay, that's not working because it's not populating here or rolling over to that. And just you got to find out what's just because somebody goes, oh, this is a operating system that all the accounting firms use. Well, that could it be for twenty might, people and up. Yeah. But you're a, a company of four. So you just never know. So look at it real hard, but make sure you have that operating system in place that fits your business. Operating systems are probably the thing that other than spreadsheets and numbers, I dork out the most about because (laughs) I really love having a good system because the system is what allows you to then go get creative in other parts of your business. And you can get creative about creating the system, too. It doesn't have to be something that already exists. You can start with something as simple as an Excel spreadsheet. That's what we did at Hunter Row. Um, and then we built out our database. We built out our website. We built out everything around the system. We borrowed things from other operating systems. And before we know it, we had a really great business model that other people are now trying to buy. And it's... A pretty cool thing to watch, but it fit yours. It fit your. It fit the business model for you and Mike. Yes, and it did. all the agents. You were able to scale it, and it's okay to try things. Yeah, and there were a lot of things that we tried that failed miserably. But you learned. But we learned, and we um, from the from day one when I first started working with Mike over at Hunter Row. The very first thing he did, one, was he hired me as a business coach for his agents, which was huge. But he also hired me a coach. So I had a coach. I was coaching his agents. So he has always been a huge believer in the power of coaching and what that can do and the levels that it can take your business to. And I've always retained a coach, even when I'm coaching other people, because it helps keep me clear because it takes a lot of mental effort and energy to help keep other people clear. In on operating systems, my brother and I have had two businesses, a commercial cleaning business and a pest control business. And my brother excels at, you can call it the geeky side of the business. He loves payroll, insurance, taxes, drilling down on numbers, find out where the margins are. And that's why he's been successful. And I, on the other hand, just want to talk all day, which I'm fine being the boots on the ground and training and cleaning and spraying and all that good stuff. But he had his system for managing businesses. And they'd never been big businesses. 
as far as a lot of people. So he never really had to go buy an operating system, but he found out through Excel and uh, through all the accounting, everything like that, he loved and he found out what worked for him and we fit the business into that. But it worked. I didn't, and I fit into it where I needed to. I just give him the information and he does what he needs to with it. Uh, but he found what's always worked for him and it's kind of worked well for him. So that's awesome. find what you need uh, that will work for you, but his system is good. How to recover from a burnout. We've, I think we've helped you with that on some ways to do that. But if you feel like from the previous episode, you're getting ready to get into a burnout or you may be in it and you just don't know it. Uh, please go get some help physically, get in shape, stay in shape, get on a program, mm-hmm. but find some people to bounce ideas off of and kind of vent. That's going to help you a lot too. And of course, we're always here for you as well. We are. You can go to wired2change.com. With the number two. And check out our coaching seminars and opportunities uh, or give us a call. Uh, shoot us an email and we'll gladly sit down with you about 45 minutes or so, kind of chat, see what you're looking for, see if we're a good fit, if we can all work together, but we'd love to talk to you on that. Anyways, we hope uh, you got some good help on how to recover from a burnout and we will see you next time on our Wired to Change podcast.